Welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Monday, August 30th, and football is finally here. Football! Football is finally here. We did our football previews last week with uh, with Zach here. So uh, this week we'll get into kind of college football as a whole, you know, with with the real, you know, week zero was last week. With all the teams getting into it, you know, your Ohio State, your Alabama's, Clemson, Georgia's this weekend, everything going on. Talking some sports betting in Ohio, which is obviously oh, yeah. a big topic with football and, and that kind of stuff back. Also talking a little football with a football? certain game over this weekend, Josh. And uh, just as a reminder, we do have our two shows, one that comes out on Tuesday. Two for one that comes out on Friday. And on Friday, we'll be switching it from uh, the oblong, egg-shaped football to, to the old round ball. Getting, real, little, getting real spherical. Talking a little basketball. But uh, first, of course, into our intros. Um, the guy that should be here, uh, unfortunately unable to make it, just stayed up too late watching the Jake Paul fight last night. Unfortunately not able to make it is Zach. So... Yep, we send Zach our condolences and we wish him luck this Thursday night. One of those big games, the Buckeyes going up to Minnesota. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be on edge just a little bit. If you've ever watched a uh, if you've ever watched a football game with with Zach, um, it's an experience. We'll say that an Ohio State game. Uh, so hopefully, we might have a little bit of a media segment, maybe trying to get out to a game with Zach at some sure. Point and he year. and we do have his his. his takes his thoughts his picks picks. so they're all in he's locked them in for the show and we will share them with you but uh greg we've also got a different beer this week we usually don't uh feel like we haven't hit this style a lot i'm excited for this one yeah and of course the voice to my right the guy on the ones and twos the guy who's a little busy exploring northwest ohio yeah put up the outline on time no big deal it's josh josh how are you doing after a wonderful weekend up in the Delphus Fort Jennings area. I'm doing great. Um, that was a fun time. I, I rarely get to make it up to that corner of Ohio. Um, did some breweries, went and saw 1820 Brewing um, in another small town whose name escapes me. But uh, always a good time to get out in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, for the weekend. And then, of course, my name is Greg. I am, for whatever reason, the guy who insists on rooting for teams in Ohio that are not where I'm from. Oh uh, yeah, that's a I, big. That is a big thing for you. I I don't I don't know why. I think sometimes I get too comfortable being around like most people. So on Friday I got dragged to a a party or one of the small get together. Okay, but there were a number of FCC fans. Ah, uh, and I had to kind of explain to them why I'm a crew fan, even though I only lived there for like ten months. And it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but at the same time, it makes all the sense. In the yeah, I, I can under knowing why you're a crew fan. I, I can understand that, but uh, I'm sorry you had to do that. It must have been a miserable bunch. Ah, uh, you know what? They it's just kind of acceptance at this point. But I, I do think they're looking better. Yeah, but you know it always helps deal with a rough FCC. Uh, oh, oh, buddy, I know. A nice cold beer. But before we get to that, Josh got some headlines for you. Guys, hell was real this Friday night, but boy did this rivalry not disappoint. Unless maybe you're an FCC fan during the last 10 minutes of the game. The first half, though, was filled with missed chances, including a Diaz shot off the post for Columbus and a Jeff Cameron header that was blocked. But finally, in the 45th minute, Lucas Zellerayan once again placed a free kick 
perfectly into the corner to give the crew a 1-0 lead that lasted roughly an OH headline segment uh, before Ronald Matarita fired a poorly cleared corner into the back of the net to equalize the score at half. The second half had its chances as well, but in the 74th minute, Isaac Antagna struck home a shot just past Eloy Room on the break to give FCC the lead with just 15 minutes to go. Woo! What could go wrong, Josh? But unfortunately for the orange and blue, just eight minutes later, things really went to hell as rookie Miguel Berry knocked home two straight rebounds off FCC goalkeeper Kenneth Vermeer just 78 seconds apart, giving the crew the 3-2 victory for their first points in six games. FCC has their winless streak remaining intact as they welcome lowly Inter-Miami to try to get their first win at the new TQL Stadium this Saturday. In the NFL, Ohio teams wrapped up their preseason Sunday with both star QBs getting their first action of the year. The Bengals dropped the game to Miami, but the big news was Burrow being back. Shockingly, the QB only played one drive, a three and out, with his only pass being to former LSU teammate and first-round pick Jamar Chase, which he dropped. Uh, Bengals fans will finally get their chance to see an extended look at the offense a week from Sunday when Cincinnati welcomes the Vikings for Week 1. For the Brownies, Baker got a slightly longer look versus Atlanta Friday or uh, Sunday night with two drives, one stalling in the red zone and the other ending with a 22 touch, 22-yard touchdown pass to Kadero Hodge. Cleveland hopes to be full go on a week from Sunday on the 12th as they head to Kansas City for a rematch of the divisional round, Ooh. which is terrifying considering Ooh. the Browns' luck during uh, week one. Uh, on the diamond, we look not to the not to MLB, but to the Little League World Series, giving a quick shout-out to the West End Little Leaguers from Hamilton, Ohio, who made it all the way to the championship before falling 5-2 to two to Michigan. Had the bases loaded in the six, had some chances. So shout-out to all those kids and all of West End Little League for an awesome season. Something that was a lot of fun to watch. And finally, Josh, we made it. We made College it. football is back in Ohio this week. It all gets started Thursday with a Big Ten clash, sending the Buckeyes to Minnesota to face the Gophers, and BG heading down to Rocky Top to face Tennessee. On Saturday, we have the big in-state rivalry as the Bearcats and Redhawks finally meet again for the victory bell after last year being the first time since World War II the teams did not meet up. Did not meet up. Pack also, that nip. Pack that nip. Pack the nip. Also, we have SEC Maction this weekend as Akron goes to Auburn and Kent goes to AM to face the Aggies. And finally, the Bobcats face the Syracuse Orange in Athens for to round out a huge day of college football and a huge weekend of college football in the state of Ohio. Guys, we made it. And those are your OH headlines. Oh, beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, have him do that. For our beer of the week this week, we're going up to Northeast Ohio to Medina, Ohio. Medina. Uh, I believe a new brewery that we've never had before. Uh, it is Loggerheads Brewing Company. And 
you know, I know a lot. We do the uh, we do the IPAs. We do some of those pretty standard beers. This time we have something a little bit different. We have a Scottish style ale in there, aptly named Kilt Them All or Kilt Em All. Kilt Em All Scottish style ale. It is a 5.9 ABV, 27 IBUs. So not super, um, you know, hoppy or anything, but has a has a nice little kick to it per the per the can. Yeah, the can is awesome. Love the love the plaid in there for the kilt. Awesome logo too. I know Greg, you were loving that logo, and I, you can tell from the logo if you really get a good good look at it. There, this was a smokehouse before it was a brewery which is a little unique in that origin. Um, and I got to tell you, some of that barbecue looks mighty delicious. I think these people know what they're doing on the barbecue and the beer side. Oh, yeah. they So they started in, uh, I believe it was 2004, mm-hmm. as a, uh, you know, as a barbecue place, meat shop, whatever you want to call it. Uh, smokehouse, I guess, is, is what they refer to it as. But then later, you know, in the 2010s, this is a microbrew phenomenon kind of was thrust upon us they got into it so they have a scottish style ale which has this uh this dark brown kind of like english ale porter kind of color yeah it's pretty dark um when like when you first poured it i was like oh wow that's that's very dark it is almost the color of a porter um i've seen a lot of other scottish ales or scotch ales that are more brown golden flavor a real dark amber this is really dark i feel like so yeah this reminds me a lot of an english ale and i so i went into a little bit of a um a rabbit hole not okay just mostly a quick google search but uh what exactly is a scottish style ale now you mentioned scottish and scotch style ales Mm -hmm. actually two very different things oh we we heavy or we heavies are higher in abv and they're usually kind of, they have that little sweetness at the end of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Scotch style ale is similar to what you would find from an English pale ale or an English. You can, you can see that, that heavy malt to it. If you like a multi flavor and we're not talking, you know, there's the hoppy flavor, there's, you know, that lager flavor. This is the, this is the very malty, almost kind of a, a chewy yeah, mouth. This comes from Scotland where hops, Hops don't grow up there, so they they are very malt based, and this I think would be the one major characteristics of all those strong kind of heavier beers like this is that they are very malt based. But what you're saying about the sweetness is usually they have a defining like sugar sweet characteristic. So that's that's the Scotch. That's a Scotch ale. This is missing that. It kind of carries the malt base all the way through. This is usually what you would call a English pale ale, but a little bit lighter. It's not that 7%. Usually they clock it in at 5, yeah. 3 to 5%. Okay, so this, this just is kind under of six. a lighter, drinkable kind of English ale. And I, I do like an English or an amber ale that kind of has that multi flavor to it. And I feel like the color on it is nice. I mean, that that head on it is nice. It's a very, I mean, once again, Per taste, I I do like a nice multi beer every once mm-hmm. in a while. It's very nice and drinkable. It's a little bit on the heavier side. It's one of those yeah, I was gonna that you're say, not going to be able of, to kick back. It's kind of creamier, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, and that I think when you pour it and you see that dark color, you'll kind of you'll kind of get that hint right away. Yeah. But it's a very good beer, and we'll talk about it more. But I know, yeah, they smokehouse opened two thousand four, brewery in twenty ten, 
I think they added a tap room in 15 or 16. And the barbecue sauce is a is a secret recipe barbecue Ooh. sauce. So you know, so you know some good stuff is coming out of this place up in Medina, Ohio. So if you're into those English ales or even you can kind of get at the end the porter tastes. This Kiltamal Scottish style ale, I think it's only uh it's only a season number. You can even find it on there on their website. Uh, I've had it, you know, just hanging out for a couple months here. Still's got a great head, still's got a great taste. So um, shout out to Loggerhead Brewing Company and their Kilt Amal Scottish style ale. For our first segment of the show, we're going right into a rankum. As we mentioned, college football is back. Week zero. There were some matchups. Teams played. Not exactly the top teams. With Nebraska-Illinois probably being the, the biggest uh, game of the cer- weekend. Certainly not there. Uh, so we're looking in. You know, we're peering into the future. And we have our four teams that we think will be in the college football playoff. Obviously, week one starting. A ton of big games that could, you know, change the course of the season, Clemson, Georgia, huge being game there, a humongous, absolutely game. huge game there. Uh, you know, Ohio State going to Minnesota. Oklahoma does have Tulane, which might actually get relocated because of Hurricane Ida. Alabama um, playing Miami. You know, uh, Notre Dame has a Saturday or Sunday game against Florida State. Um, Cincinnati playing for the victory bill. Oh yeah. Oh so. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, excitement. Obviously, it's week one, but man, I tell you that I think I mentioned it last week that if everything holds, or maybe on the college football preview show, if everything holds, that the UC Notre Dame game could be a top three game in the country this year. I think this Clemson Georgia game week one here. I mean, the implications of that game are monumental. That's easy. I think that's up there for top three games in the country this season. Because, I mean, week one, you're going to get a true look at both of those teams. Dabo, I mean, will he have new pieces ready and everything? Georgia reloaded. And I'm telling you, man, the implications of that as far as what we're talking about here with the college football playoffs, just immeasurable. So we'll start. I mean, right now, going in to the season uh the top 10 that we have and usually you know you got to be in usually in that area right to kind of uh sniff a chance you have alabama uh oklahoma clemson uh oklahoma alabama with 47 first place votes oklahoma and clemson with six first place votes ohio state at four with a first place vote georgia with three first place votes at five a and m iowa state cincinnati at eight uh, Notre Dame at nine, North Carolina at ten, also Oregon at eleven, which I feel like that's fair because they do have they have some early chances as we discussed last week. Yes, most notably against Ohio State with a number of pieces missing. Yes. Um. So, yeah. I, there are a lot. Let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, let's just uh, get straight into it. You want to go first here? Sure. I'll I'll go first. So. Um, Normally, I would say we would rank teams based on who do you think is going to be one through four. I think winning margin and whatnot could kind of muddy those waters. So I think I actually I have the four teams as far as confidence wise who I think will get in. Okay. 
The team I'm most confident to see in there is Oklahoma. Yep, I think I'd agree with you there. They have a very favorable schedule. They get, you know, really their only tough game is Iowa State, which they get at home late in the season, more time for Rattler to develop, as you saw him develop a whole lot last season. Sure. So I think him, maybe one more shot against Iowa State, but once again, it'll be more of a home game and it would be in Dallas. Uh, Two, I have Ohio State. We discussed them, you know, ton in the last uh in the last segment or last week have a very favorable schedule you know uh what penn state at home they have to go to michigan but they've been very good against michigan really aside of this minnesota game i would say minnesota week one is tough going to east lansing maybe is a look ahead game but they have a lot of you know they don't play any of the real heavy hitters from the big 10 west or anything you know anyone that could kind of screw that up so I'm putting them in there. Number three, I have Clemson. Clemson okay. just finds a way. I like DJ Uyagalele. Mostly because I like to say Uyagalele. Yeah, I know you do. You what way are they gonna find? And I mean, if they win the ACC, I think there's enough respect for them as a brand that even if they drop to Georgia, you know, I don't think I think they have a I don't think they play Notre Dame or anything no. in there, you know, and they won't have to worry about them. Uh, UNC would be in the championship. Yeah. So there's not a huge that's, worry. I think that's the one thing they got going for them is UNC being up there and should be pretty good this year. Yep. And then probably my most controversial and the one that I am most worried about, number four, I have Georgia. Whew. All right. All right. So, so I have JT Daniels. The team is good. Kirby Smart has been shown to be a solid coach through and through. I think they'll at least be a playoff team. I don't know if they I don't so I'm not saying they're gonna win the national championship, but Sure. I would say maybe an Ohio State Clemson national championship. Okay. Okay. And I think uh I think Zach uh is kind of with you on a couple of these here. Uh Definitely with the Georgia. So I'm assuming this is the order that he sent it in. He's got highest state at one. Yeah, that's no, unsurprising I, yeah, to yeah, anyone. Unsurprising here. to anyone that's listened to this podcast a long time or even a week. Uh, Georgia. He's got Georgia two listed second here. I think if Georgia wins the SEC championship, then they'll yes. be up there. Yeah, absolutely. Even if even if they lose to Clemson, I think if they win the SEC, I yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. if they win, if they can win the SEC championship, I think, and have one loss even, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, but that's a big if. Uh, three, he's got Oklahoma. Yeah, which I once again is just it, it's tough because of the the schedule. Once, like like we said, a very favorable schedule. You do have to beat a team twice in Iowa State, which is the weird part about the Big right. Twelve, but very possible. Uh, so that's his first three at number four. And mind you folks, this is for the college football playoff. Number four, he's got the Tar Heels at number four. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, Mac Brown's got, got it going on down there, man. And they've got some great transfers, but I, I considered it and I, I certainly thought about it. Um, my issue is, you know, once again, late. Halloween weekend, have to go to Notre Dame. They have back-to-back games against ranked teams, Miami and Notre Dame. Um, 
you know, play a pit team in November on the road, have to go to NC State, which is a rivalry game, and then would have to play Clemson again. And I like Sam Howell. I like Mac Brown. I could see them as a piece, you know, as a as a New Year's Six team, but I just don't see them getting through all of that unscathed. And you would wonder how much room they have for, you know, if they if they lose to Notre Dame, but they beat Clemson, I guess maybe they're in. But like, you know, that that's when you start to ask questions. So I don't hate the pick once again, starting at ten. But they're certainly their schedule is not as perfect as it could be. I would say that. Sure, sure. His first two out are Alabama and Iowa State. Alabama out. Okay. Also, to go just back real quick, my top, I had top three out. I had Alabama, Notre Dame, and A&M. Okay. So. A&M. Hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's Zach's right there. Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma, North Carolina. First two out, Bama and Iowa State. Uh, my first two out are... Uh, I have Clemson out. Okay, okay. I have Clemson out. No, I don't. Here, here's why. Okay. Aside from week one, and you heard me say, like, that game is huge. Yeah. Like, monumental game. Yeah. Uh, and ACC championship game. Aside from that, I mean, what else really do you got? I mean, you got the big rivalry game back at the end of the year with uh, South Carolina. Who I think is going to be, you know, Man, this year. Yeah, yeah, they're just, it's not, you know, so if something else goes wrong there, like, you just can't, and even if everything does go right, if they lose that Georgia game, and even if they win the ACC championship, is the rest of that resume really good enough for you? When you look at, maybe maybe some years it is, certainly. But, but when you, th- this year, I, I would agree with you. I would say, if they didn't have Clemson, if this was a, unc resume or if this was a you know lamar jackson louisville year yeah resume then i would say you would be in very good jeopardy i would say the clemson name gives you a little bit yeah. of i mean i agree with what grace, you said yeah but I, I i mean you look at it and the one reason why i have them in once again is just it's very like i don't know their toughest road game is probably i mean outside of the georgia game which is neutral site south carolina maybe or louisville like their last three you know they have two weeks earlier they actually have their their tune-up game against i mean yukon wake south carolina and you louisville know I mean? is not an intimidating i mean they lost their better ingredients better yeah and all that so i mean I, that, nc state it, like they they play their their road games this year and so many state, games like that where their road games i'm like is any is the stadium going to be half full for these other teams NC State might be filled. Syracuse will not be. Pitt at Hinesfield will not be. Louisville might be, and South Carolina will be. So I see maybe yeah. one game that they're facing I mean, yeah. a Broncos. Not to crowd. harp on Clemson, but that's just I can see it. Uh, number five, um, the first mention of this team, uh, Cincinnati. I just don't. I don't see them going undefeated now there's i mean you've got four games here you've got the indiana at indiana at notre dame ucf at home and then the american championship game if you go four and zero in those games then i don't think there's any reason when you stack that resume up that the bearcats shouldn't get a look into the college football playoff but totally agree but like as exciting as it is as exciting as it is like that is 
such a hard schedule. I mean, at Indiana, at Notre Dame, and then those. And I, then I believe you have a break in there at some point, but that's that's three game stretch right there is just crazy. And then potentially having to face a solid, you know, I mean, yeah, know, solid and, UCF team again for a second time, and it's just one of those things where I feel like they have no room for error. Mm-mm. Where. I honestly feel like if they lose once, even against a good team, they'll be at, you know, eight or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Sure. But, sure. And that's all know. well and good and everything. But yeah, I mean, those four games, they go 4 0, they're, they're in at number four. Yeah. But yeah. I think they go three and one at best in those games and are at number five in a great New Year's Six Bowl. Number four, uh, this is my controversial one that I talked myself into, and people are going to get. Um, Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M, while they have a lot of moving new pieces in right now, so does Alabama. And I think that they have a favorable schedule leading into that game where they can, you know... And they get the game at home. Yeah, and they get the game at home. Like, let's not forget, Alabama's replacing quarterback, top receiver, a bunch on the O-line, and offensive coordinator. Like, that's a lot to get ready for right there. And they've got the tougher schedule heading into that game. So they've got to go to uh, A&M. I, I like A&M's chances here. While, yes, they've got a lot of moving pieces and new stuff to figure out. Yeah, potentially a redshirt freshman starting at, and, at quarterback. And Alabama's only gone undefeated five of the last 13 seasons. I mean, I, they'll take a loss somewhere, and they definitely have a really tough schedule. Yeah. But I can see A&M just as well going for it and going for the SEC. I mean, they were close last year. So. Yeah. Uh, at number three, though, I still have Alabama. I mean, just they have a tough schedule. I would take a one loss, maybe even a two loss. Yeah, Alabama. And, and team if they, if they, well, they wouldn't get A and M again no. in the in the. But yeah, if they no, get if the they get left side. out, yeah, yeah if they get left out or something, then you, um, you kind of have also that. remember Saban's twenty three and zero against his former assistants. Yep, an important record to keep Jimbo. in mind there. Uh, number two, Oklahoma. We talked about it a lot, Coach Riley, dude. I mean. Not that you can argue that maybe there were some better offensive sides, but as far as fully well-rounded teams go, nothing's been better than this. And yeah. it's it's now now or never for them at Oklahoma. Number one, Ohio State. Sorry, I mean uh, they they've got the more intriguing resume to me. I think right now with how they handle Week One at Minnesota, I'm sure they'll handle Oregon. But if Oregon has a decent season. Yeah, that's that a, that's that's a feather resume. in their yeah. cap. They'll have, you know, Penn State, Indiana yeah. on the road. And quite honestly, Michigan will probably be a ranked team by then. I think they'll then. have one of one of the better conference championship games resume-wise to look at. So, but Buckeyes, sorry, number one. That's what I got. So, uh, as you know, we mostly, both of us have, or all of us have uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, the two O's, uh, you know, an ACC team, maybe you have two SEC teams. Um, do you have any big surprises? Any surprising teams? Just as far as getting themselves into something, something interesting. I, I do think North Carolina can can mess around down there. I think they've got a lot of momentum on their side right now, especially uh, after a down basketball year, maybe. I, and I think what that they do have some decent recruit or transfers coming in there. And I think the momentum that Mac Brown has built down there, I think, can carry them 
a, a long way into hammering teams in that ACC schedule. So if they hop in there, like at first when I saw Zach's pick with North Carolina in there at four, I was like, that's pretty bold. But I mean, they have the momentum to do it for sure. I actually have them as, as one of my, my disappointments. Oh. So the three disappointments that I have are Alabama, because if they didn't make the college football playoff, it's a disappointment. Right. You know, uh, I had UNC, and I actually have USC and UNC and kind of there. Both have very difficult road schedules, and USC always finds a way to kind of bungle something up. Yeah. But UNC, they have to go to Notre Dame. They start the season off. Virginia Tech, not a great team, but in Blacksburg, which is a which is a tough place to play. Uh, you know, do have the NC State game on the road, which is a rivalry game. Um, and then, you know, we'll have the we'll have the likely, unless they screw it up even more, we'll have uh, a chance against Clemson. And, you know, if they lose that, if they finish up, you know, ten and three, is is that a disappointing season? Right. You know, based on being ranked coming in. Uh the two teams that I have for surprises. Uh I don't know if either of them will be New York New Year's six teams. I don't know if either of them will be I think they'll both be ranked and I think they'll both be on an upward trajectory. UCLA and Ole Miss. Uh both experienced coaches, uh both just people that know how to play offense and know how to score. And the way the way college football is going is sometimes you just have to outscore people. And Lane Kiffin was shown, you know, he's one of the few guys that can score even on Saban. And if he can figure out that defense, he can finally move forward. And then UCLA looked more like a football team. Yeah. And maybe that's only, you know, eight and four for, you know, sure. nine and four for, for Chip Kelly. But a big step forward being bowl eligible, you know, from the kind of meh team they were a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, the one, I guess, disappointment, meh, I guess, since I left him out, because I had him in originally. And yep. then I started looking more into the Aggies, and I was like, eh. And I, Kirby Smart, man, he's a good coach and all, but I feel like he's he's missed some big opportunities. I mean, even when you look at the Bearcats in the Peach Bowl last year, like, yeah. didn't really handle them like a lot no. of people thought they were going to. No, and um, I, like, if it wasn't for, you know, a couple big plays with UC right. secondary being out and James Hudson getting hurt, like, UC probably wins that game by double digits. And... and You've got the Clemson game week one, but then the really next decent game is at Auburn in October, and then two weeks after that at Florida, and then meh to the rest of that kind of, you know, I, I just yeah, and I, I think, feel like if they slip, they don't really have any chance to make that up. And my thought is even if they do slip, which they might, you know, you beat Florida, you have them, you know, neutral site. Really, your only tough road game is Auburn, I guess. You know, Georgia Tech on the road, even if it's good old-fashioned hate or whatever it is. You know, tennis, Rocky Top on the road doesn't mean anything. Vanderbilt definitely doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I think it's just one of those things that if they keep winning, they have that little SEC thing. They get into a championship, and then you know yeah. if they win the SEC championship. They're in. Sure, sure. And if yeah. Alabama falls, and maybe they get an A and M or something, we'll you know. see. We'll see. I mean, Saturday, seven thirty. We'll we'll have a lot of answers to that question when Georgia takes on Clemson. Everyone's excited. Everyone's getting their takes out. And good news is college football right around the corner.
Pours a dark brown, big, fluffy, and rocky khaki head that falls slowly, leaving great retention and sticky, frothy lacing. The aromas are malt forward along with some toast. Cocoa comes through, hints of caramel and toffee, even some mild hints of coffee. The flavors follow the nose, more cocoa, chocolate, more caramel, toffee, more toast. Hints of cherry in the mix and low bitterness, subtle sweetness, strong malt backbone. The alcohol goes unnoticed and the mouthfeel is medium bodied with moderate carbonation. It's extremely fluffy, slightly creamy, smooth, and easy to drink. This is a decent brew. It's nothing too crazy, but it's not supposed to be. It's a solid, classic, and traditional example of the style. Not bad. And that says uh, from BB1313 from Ohio on Beer Advocate. Uh, I thought that was nice because uh, I, there, was, there, was, there was some good description in, in there. Uh, toast. I don't know where the cherry mix in. I, I maybe in. get, I don't get the toast. I maybe get a little yeah. bit of like that end of porter, which almost tastes like, like a chocolate dip cherry. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't get the, I, the cocoa I get the, notes in there. I get the cocoa. I get the toffee and, and caramel. Just, Obviously the malt backbone, but yeah. I think it's, I think that last sentence is almost exactly what it is. It's nothing too crazy, but it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a high malt, low yeah. bitterness, ale that's a little bit like you know that the alcohol is supposed to kind of just saunter through and become unnoticed and i think as far as on style it's a very good beer if you like i mean if you like um if you like scottish ales or you like the english you know kind of multi ale this is a perfect beer for you yeah and i i chose to read uh this uh these reviews from beeradvocate.com so some of the reviews that people leave on here then the time they take into it is much much dedication uh but this is kilt them all from loggerhead smokehouse and brewing company in medina ohio there was another one on here uh joe lacy from ohio uh he had one on here and i won't read his whole thing but at the end he said it was a more civilized version than others of this style and i think i know what he means um, it's a little more mild and not your wee heavy and everything, but Greg, I think this is an excellent beer. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at unique brewery, if you look at BB 13, 13 actually has the lowest score. He gives it about a three and a half. Most people, it's more around a four out of five. So, I mean, once again, um, solid, you know, solid beer, certainly worthy of a try if you see it. Um, you know, they said it's got that creamy, you know, kind of full mouthfeel and overall a very solid beer. I think, uh, you know, Scottish style ales, I didn't really have a whole lot of, of basis going back, but I do really like English Milds. In it, so this was a solid beer on that end. Yeah, I would love to have one of these uh, with some ribs up there at their oh, smokehouse. Oh, yeah, house. some, we'll bar, some like nice barbecue. Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Check out Loggerheads Brewing Co., in Medina, Ohio. And I know we got to this earlier, but normally we do it during this segment. Josh. That's true, yeah. Uh, the nice kilt, um, kind of that tartan uh, pattern at the top. Their logo is like an angry boar that's kind of smiling with loggerheads around it. It's, it's, it's a fantastic logo. It is a yellow can, but, you know, it's got that tartan. It's got the big logo, just says what it is out front. And it's a very simplistic, but also like very interesting looking can. So 
uh, big fan of it, and so far, big fan of loggerheads and at least this one beer. I know they have plenty of beers across uh, probably their Oktoberfest coming out soon. I uh, do have an IPA, wheat ale, red ale, so a whole lot to try up in Mendina at uh, Loggerheads Brewing Co. Going back into the offices, back into the Senate, back into the government. Chambers? The chambers, the, the commerce. Oh, I don't no. know what they call it. We're not getting political. The, Keep it uh, here. the Don't rotunda, do anything hasty. Yeah, rotunda. rotunda. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking the only kind of laws we really care about here. Yeah. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. Well, well, we're drinking craft beer, so we care about one law, which is the sports betting law in the state of Ohio. Um, we've thought we've we've kind of kept you involved in this law. It's kind of gone from it's you know back in 2018 when states were allowed to make their own decision about sports betting to Ohio kind of having their dipping their toes in, talking about it a little bit, to early this year when it passed through the state Senate, uh, Ohio Senate Bill 176, which will now be introduced in September to the Ohio State House, um, talking about sports betting. So uh, some people have said... Some folks. ...that it will be ready, that you could probably bet by spring and we'll talk about that to just give you a general idea it does allow um obviously sports betting in the state of ohio uh currently allows for three types of licenses what it calls uh brick and mortar locations which would be like your casinos your hard rocks horseshoes whatever they call yep. it now cincinnati Cleveland, Jacks. you know jack yeah. casino um mobile apps which would be your you know, uh, MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, Barstool, Sportsbook, all that stuff. And then they're actually potentially allowing machines at, you know, bars and restaurants, so your local drinkeries. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that goes for, like, in-stadium, too, having, like, machine kiosks at your your Browns, Bengals games, crew, FC Cincinnati, Reds, Guardians stuff. Cavs. Cavs. Blue Jackets. Blue Let's Jackets. Let's not forget them. Yeah, all right. We, we named all the teams now. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't remember. I don't think it has anything in-state, because there are certain states that have no in-state betting, like Illinois can't bet on like, oh. Northwestern Illinois. Didn't see anything on that. Um, certain people are against it, and we'll, we'll have to, you know, discuss that as well. Uh, certain Groups from the NAACP to certain, you know, anti-gambling uh, bills are saying, you know, some of it targets certain groups unfairly, you know, whether it's kids, because a lot of the kids are being involved with the DraftKings and the FanDuel. Right. Um, certain, you know, urban areas, certain minorities, you know, probably targeting them for sports betting. And then also there's a there's a chance that, you know, they say, well, this is the first step towards what New Jersey has where you can play, you know, slots and craps and whatever else on your phone. Right. Which becomes a dangerous slippery slope. The one thing that I will say about this is there are these things. There are these things. They're called bookies. Yep. 
you can find one relatively. I easily. think I think everyone forgets that that like actual human bookies still exist. Bookies right still now. exist. Like that's still a thing. Offshore books still exist. Yeah, well, that's what everyone's worried about is because you that's where you get you like right in your hand on your phone and everything. But people yeah. forget that like regularly betting with a person like an actual bookie is still very much a thing that and exists. And you can just text them. Yeah, like there's no way to really regulate that except getting more safe outlets, safe legal outlets for betting that have resources and safeguards and consumer and protection and all these things. Honestly, for sports that only happen, you know, once a week, football is a big area for betting. What percentage of Ohio is within an hour of Michigan, right? Indiana, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, all states that have legal gambling. And some of them are as easy as like, I know Indiana has it. I know Michigan has it. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania has it. I don't know about, it. I don't know about West Virginia. West Virginia mobile. has it. So you can literally drive over state lines. It doesn't matter where you are in the state, drive over in state lines, have your location be picked up and you can bet. Yeah. I don't think uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think West Virginia has mobile, but yeah, think, everywhere yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Indiana, you can drive over state lines as long as the location picks you up. Sometimes you have to get in like, you know, take the first exit and sit in a parking lot or whatever. You can pick it up. Yeah. So all that money is going one way or another. People are going to bet one way or another, you know, Oh, as that's... someone that that has may or may not have you know gone to Lawrenceburg a few times to to place a couple wagers legally under the state of Indiana, right? I've seen a ton of people online from Ohio because you can. I mean, obviously you can tell, especially on college football. You know, they have their Ohio State sweatshirts on, their Bengals jerseys, Browns jerseys on. You know, all that stuff. For you Northern listeners, we're talking what 10, 15 minutes across state line not even not e yeah like not even i mean yeah probably 10 minutes yeah and i know there's i know that there's a similar situation i think on the pennsylvania border there um but it's just yeah like, there's there i think there's one in wheeling yeah and whatnot and, and like like we said even if you're not going to a brick and mortar store a lot of them still have online gambling so if you pull off at the first exit and park in a you know mcdonald's parking lot you can bet from there boom yeah and Indiana, I mean, just just in one month, this past May, May 2020, Indiana reported $250 million in sports bets. And that's just insane. And I think the thing that people forget is there's different ways. That's just like bets that were made. And then whatever the state taxes that on and everything, that's how much the state gets back. So like Pennsylvania, what they have set up, uh, since all this, I can't remember when Pennsylvania specifically, but since 2018, when the federal yeah, law I think came it was down. like 2019 or something yeah. when they started. Because the one thing that I will say, and just to piggyback off your point, some people are saying it, it'll be ready by spring. I would doubt it. If it, uh, yeah, if I would it, doubt if, that. if it starts, if it gets passed in the fall, which it's looking more and more likely, I, I think. You would need to, you know, set up regulators, regulations. I remember when I went right. to Tennessee. I think I went through Tennessee on something. You know, this was back in 2019. They had legalized it, but, you know, it takes eight months to set up everything just to make sure, you know, taxes, commissions, oh, yeah. making sure people get their license, set up regulators to investigate if people are doing weird things with lines or anything. 
So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of groundwork, but you can't start any of it until right. the piece of paper gets signed or passed or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, Ohio Senator Naraj Antani. He's a Republican from Miamisburg. He was one of the main sponsors of the bill that passed the Senate already. And he was the one that said he was like, he's expecting them to get right to this when they return in the fall and was saying that you could make your first bet as early as this spring. But uh maybe maybe in the summer at some point because yeah like you said it takes it takes a good while like yeah i'd say probably six to eight months to maybe yeah. maybe uh mobile bets maybe but even but still even you gotta you get to regulators and chat, yeah. and whatnot yeah and i mean a lot of these places like um you know just looking locally um miami valley gaming currently has this setup where they're only a racino, so they can only do slot games. Well, they're waiting for an amendment to the law saying the racinos can do table games and sports betting. So they're expanding, being ready for it. And it's not a, it's not a, you know, someone can take out a restaurant and put it in a sports book. It's not, or put it in a restaurant. That's not exactly the issue. It's it's getting all the regulations set up. Right. And the thing is, honestly, you know, if you look at the amount of money bet on different sports football's the big one so if you have it ready you know august september of next year maybe if you miss a month you know they were saying even last month so what that's a july you get 250 million dollars that's just baseball maybe a little bit of nba finals and uh, olympics doesn't really have a ton so mostly that well if you get a full season of college football or a full month of college football nfl football maybe basketball or hockey starting that's maybe three, four hundred. Oh yeah, I mean, and I mean, Ohio is a more populated state than Indiana, so. Well, and yeah, I mean that's Indiana, but I mean you look at, you look at what Pennsylvania's done, and we talk about like how you would set this up and everything, and keep in mind that as it's set up like this in a lot of the 20, uh, 22 states now that have legal sports gambling, a lot of that money goes back to feed education funding for education that's what it would mostly be used for in ohio that's in the bill like we'd use this to funnel funds to education both at the public youth level and for higher education um and there was just a lot of like with the pandemic and everything there were a lot of returns and refunding this and allocating funds for this but altogether, at the beginning of this year ohio cut about 390 million dollars from education before it was like 700 billion and then the pandemic happened some federal funds and a lot of moving around but overall about 390 million just got cut from education that's a Ohio. lot of million that's a lot so you take a look at pennsylvania pennsylvania has an insane like they're one of the hottest markets for sports uh, sports gambling in the country right now they have a ridiculous handle on things right now uh eight billion 8.4 billion is the pennsylvania handle since 2018 um pennsylvania though they tax that at a 36 percent rate which is very effective when you're trying to get revenue from that and that's why they've gotten 163.6 million in the past two years from this the state has and a lot of that, I'm not sure how much of that gets in Pennsylvania gets put back into education, but imagine putting that back into meaningful things in Ohio. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. 
to me. I don't know about you, Greg. I mean, unfortunately, they wouldn't get any of my money because I'd be, you know, robbing them blind for <laughs> for the novice betters. But I think it's one of those things where you can talk about the negative. And once again, if you have a problem, 1-800-GAMBLER, one with it in the state of Indiana. Yeah. Plenty of resources. And there'd be those here and more of those here in Ohio if we legalize More of those there. But the other thing is you get a regulated environment and you've seen that in plenty of other places, a regulated environment where you don't have bookies that are threatening to knock your kneecaps off, you know, betting money you don't have, um, you know, uh, a more standardized place where you're not getting ripped off with lines or anything right. like that. And it's one of those things where if you really want to bet, you can, like you can, you yeah. can bet oh, yeah. on Anybody your phone right bet. away. Yeah. Overseas, you can find a bookie, which is really not that hard. You know, underground stuff may be tougher, but you talk to, you know, a lot of well, people you can talk that's... And then three, you can go over state lines, which probably for what? I mean, you look at the population of Ohio, you know, heavy in Cincinnati. Columbus is a little bit tougher, but, you know. Cincinnati and Cleveland, Cleveland that's a lot of money not... out the door. Toledo, a lot yeah. of money out the door. You, you can, I mean, you can saunter over you know especially if it's one day a week you can saunter over an hour out of your way maybe right. maybe you know make that's a what day i don't think it. people realize like you literally can just all you literally need to do is cross the border get on your phone bada bing bada boom oh yeah <laughs> like so yeah when you look at the population there on the edges of ohio that is so much money out the door so uh house is expected to come off their summer recess in september and they are expected to address this uh, fairly quickly so we'll keep an eye on it for you what is brewing ohio greg a lot of collaborations are brewing stop a lot of collaborations collaborate and listen nice. ohio's back with some brand new brewditions dude nice that's that's very good that's why we call you the talent around here thank you Hell for yeah. that uh first we'll start in columbus with the pretentious barrel house and dank house brewing uh they uh usually do some of the wait 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 pretentious brewing house and the dank pretentious brew... barrel house and dank house brewing i could not think of two different names yeah. it sounds like it's like ho ho highfalutin oh. with like guys that are you know ripping some mm-hmm. some wacky tobacco in the in the back room so heck yeah all well, in for this they uh they usually uh their their trademark their staples are sour ales uh, I love easy that. IPAs, but they went, they said, nope, we're throwing that out. They brewed a Czech Pilsner, Greg. And then you know what they did? They split that Czech Pilsner. They said, we're going to take some of that and put it over here. I'm going to take some of that and put it over here. And, and the one is going to go into an Añejo tequila barrel. And the Ooh. other is going to go in a Chardonnay barrel. And you know what we'll call them? A lager won't tequila you. And no whining, it's beer. Oh, man. And man, these sound good. Like a Czech Pilsner. Both of those deserve a check mark from me. <laughs> oh, man, you're killing it over here. Thank you. Uh, but both of those, I mean, the name, the beers, Czech Pilsner and Chardonnay Barrel, Czech Pilsner and a tequila barrel. I know. 
I know Josh and I a couple of years back went to uh, a yeah, the barrel bash barrel aged beer bash and one of our favorite was tequila barreled beers man they have that slight like yeah, oh, agave lime flavor oh unbelievable and with the Czech Pilsner that's got to be very interesting you can pick these up in four packs at the pretentious tap room or shop online and have them delivered if you're in the Columbus area uh, moving out to the suburbs uh, the Columbus burbs uh, kind of more the southeast burbs, kind uh, of the yeah, Columbus burbs. Uh, Pickerington. Okay, yeah, yeah pick yeah. Um, Lancaster, Car- Lancaster, Carol, Lancaster, Lancaster, Carol. Uh, I, I gotta combustion. be sorry, I gotta be Zach. Lancaster, Lancaster, Lancaster. Uh, Combustion Brewery in Pickerington, Outer Belt Brewing in Carroll, and Double Edge Brewing in Lancaster. Uh, they have an annual collaboration they do called really? Code. And these three. What's that code for? I I, I have no idea. Uh, I would assume combustion, outer belt, yeah, double edge. Oh, bada bing, bada boom. Look, look how we, look how we. (laughs) You got one for each of these. I'm, I'm curious to see what you come up with next here. Uh, This year's version of their code collaboration is a hazy session IPA, clocking in at only 4.5. I love hazy IPAs. Hazy IPAs on there, but yeah, hazy's you're usually a little too strong for folks. These are your seven or eights, yeah. Yeah, this one is still that hoppy tropical punch, but only 4.5. So that is uh, available in four packs for carryout at Combustion, Outer Belt, and Double Edge. And then we come down to Cincinnati. The Natty. Uh, this is a big time collaboration because it's two of the biggest breweries in the country. Uh, Rheingeist, the 25th largest brewery in America by sales in 2020. Wow. Uh, and Deschutes Brewery ranked 10th largest in the country. And they are also doing a hazy IPA collaboration that you can only get at the Rheingeist tap room in over the Rhine here in Cincinnati. And this is with Sabro Hops. Cybro Express, um, and it's got a kind of tangerine, coconut in there, um, and the pineapple sweetness to it. Um, It's also pretty wheat-heavy, they say, so it's kind of... Wheat, pineapple, coconut. It's kind of your more, uh, as opposed to that Session IPA up uh, for that code collaboration, this is going to be your more classic IPA with the Rheingeist Deschutes punch to it. It's that old, yeah, it's that old Cincinnati, that over the Rhine. Yeah, that's a big collaboration there, though, with some... uh, Yeah, some heavy hitters. Yeah, some heavy hitters right there. So those are three big collaborations brewing in Ohio, and that is what is brewing in Ohio. So, Josh, for our final segment, we're going from football to football, talking a little bit of the Hell is Real Derby that happened. Uh, As teams start to go into kind of their last roundabout for the season last two months of the season um so the crew win at lower.com field uh 3-2 over fc cincinnati uh the crew currently sit in eighth place uh three points out of the playoffs so three points behind sixth and seventh place top seven teams in each conference get in um fcc currently in 14th out of the 15 teams in the eastern conference uh, two points ahead of Toronto, but two less games played than some teams. But a lot of the teams that are around them also played 20 games. So I don't know where you want to start. Maybe start with maybe start with your squad. I just have I just have some facts. Okay, some facts. I, lo- I love facts. Facts for each team. 
Uh, FC, FC Cincinnati, they blew another lead. Uh, how many how many leads is that? Because and that... they also had uh, one crazy goal start an implosion. Again, fact. Uh, Columbus conceded late in the half again at the end of the first half to uh, Mata, Ronald Madrid. Fact. Yep. Uh, the clubs did put on a great display for the nationally televised derby game, and uh, that's a fact. But opinion. Imagine if they were both like really good and consistent, and we could put on those type of games on the national stage. What would that that would do for this rivalry? But another opinion here for you. Not a hot take, I don't think. Both these teams right now are just have so much chaos in them. Um, I do think the crew can bounce back. We're going to hit a slight international break, if you want to call it that. Uh, but they have a t- the crew have a tough schedule. I think they have it in them if they get some guys back here that they can squeak into the playoffs. But as far as expectations go for them, I mean, tell me, you're the crew fan here. Tell me if I'm wrong. You got to count it as a disappointing season. And then for FC Cincinnati, you're just like, oh my gosh, like. Is it ever going to end? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, going forward, um, they do have some tough games, but they also get, you know, they do get Inter-Miami next month. Uh, you know, Montreal, uh, actually Inter-Miami twice. Uh, Orlando's decent, do get Nashville, DC United. You know, they have some chances to figure it out. I will say with the crew, and I'm not going to say it's, it is, uh, you know, just to them because a lot of a lot of the top teams have had the same issues. You know, MLS doesn't get those international breaks like a lot of other leagues right. do. So when the Gold Cup goes on, you lose your Jossie Zardes's and you know your Luis Diaz's and your Eloy Rooms to to international duty. It's just it just is what it is. But the fact that they had the longest losing streak by a former ML or by the like reigning MLS cup champion since the galaxy back in 2006 is not great. Now they lost games in different ways. Their first three games of the losing streak, you know, they lost four, two, four, three, you know, high scoring games. Their last three games, one, nothing, one, nothing, two, one. So there are different losses and they've shown they can score. They've shown they can defend, but it's kind of putting it all together. And some of that is, They've had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of guys out on international break. But the problem that you have, and I think that you've honestly had with the crew, you know, under most of Caleb Porter's reign, you know, in his, what, two, two and a half years, is you look at a team, and at their best, they can win three straight games and win an MLS Cup. They can beat anyone, you know. They can have a one nothing lead after 80 minutes against the Seattle Sounders, the team that they beat. They can show up well against, you know, some of the top teams in the league. But at their worst, you know, they're falling behind 2 nothing against the Cincinnati team that's been struggling, and they have a red card. Now, they come back from that, but other games, you know, New York City, they lose 4-1. to one. It's just... The amount of inconsistency... And I understand you're going to have different lineups. I understand... You know, sometimes the chemistry isn't there. But you look at some of these guys, and you look at, you know, Zeller Ryan, MLS Cup MVP, you know, 
he put on a show during the MLS skills challenge. He has all the skills. Zardis has all the skills. They have guys in the back like Nagby that have all the skills. There are just too many times where they're just not at their best or where they should be. And I think even with all this, these issues, they were a third, fourth place team before a lot of this break and issues started. Probably are still a third to fourth place team. But they need to play their best every time out. And you see you see some of the extra energy when you're playing in rivalry games yeah. or playoff games or things like that. They've been a very good playoff team over the last number of years. Oh, yeah. But it's just the inconsistency week in and week out. You know, you lose a game to a Chicago Fire team that you shouldn't lose to. You struggle with a Cincinnati team that, honestly, you shouldn't struggle, you know, against as much as you as much as you do. And at some point, if they're not good enough, they're either going to barely miss out on the playoffs, like they are now. You know, they they have nine losses, seven wins, six draws. They've been a mediocre team. Or they're going to get in, and they're just going to have to face tough team after tough yeah. team, go into hostile environments, and then have to play, you know, the revolution or whatever. That's what, that's what normally I would say you make a great point that they have – a great history of being a great playoff team once they get there. And so if they do squeak in, but that's the thing is I think that you're going to have tougher competition that's cut out above, a tier above the rest in these playoffs this year with teams the, like the Revolution. They're a great team when they're pushed against the wall. And so far, they haven't felt any of that pressure and they haven't been at their best. And you can see sometimes, you know, playing against Cincinnati, backs were against the wall. They played some very nice counterattacking, fluid football, had the defense ready to go, and, you know, were ready to just, you know, cause some issues. Even against Cincinnati early, you know, they had a few chances to take an early lead. I thought they were good on offense. Defense, I understand some of the guys are still coming back, but could have been better on defense. But they just, sometimes they look like such a dominant team, and then other times you're like, you turn your back like in the Seattle game where they were up, you know, two oh, yeah. one late in that game and or one nothing late in that game and they give up, you know, two goals within what eighty seventh and eighty ninth minute to lose that game and it's just some unacceptable stuff right. late in the game. So did you put any of that on Porter? Um because I mean Porter's uh Caleb Porter's a well respected coach in the MLS yeah. and everything and and it is interesting when you look at the talent that the crew have right now, even when they don't have it all with depth depth issues, they still got some key key positions filled out well, I think, with some of the players you brought up. Yeah, and I think he's one of those so guys that has who takes been, the blame. Been there, done that with top teams. I mean, he led Portland to an MLS Cup, he led Columbus to an MLS Cup. And I do think some of it is getting the team ready to go and getting the team healthy. But I think some of it is almost kind of holding the reins and like, hey, we haven't played our best yet to the point where you're going to let the dogs loose and it's going to be too late. Where I feel like he should be a little bit more, you know, kind of demanding more out of his players. And I feel like he's been, you know, he's a guy that will get animated at times, will yell at the refs, whatnot. But sometimes I think is a guy that can 
help motivate his team, but doesn't use it as much as he should. Right. And I think if he can fully motivate this team, they can be a playoff team. They can cause some some you know ruckus right. in the MLS playoffs. But unless you know they come back together, everyone's healthy, and they play their top level every game, I don't you know I don't see any way through them. You right. know, any way for them to get through the MLS Cup playoffs. Right. Um, just some main differences that I still see um, between the teams. Uh, obviously, there are some huge differences. But, I mean, you look at Zeller Allen, he, he, he is that guy. Creative playmaker, world-class finisher set from the set, especially from the set piece. He'll score from the set piece, create quality chances off of them. Right now, FC Cincinnati, well, they are getting more creative. You know, Brent Brenner missed a really good opportunity in the 14th minute of that game that could have made a world of difference. Uh, and it's another shoulda, coulda, woulda for him there. There's a lot of those that keep piling up now at the end of the season. Uh, Eloy Room cleans the box up, does not give second chances. A great goalkeeper, and he creates meaningful return passes down the field. Yeah, he's. He I mean, runs, he's had a couple of hockey assists this year. Yeah, you know. yeah, he's he's runs a really tight defense and calls a great game from back there. Kenneth Vermeer, man, I just I know I've been down on Kenneth Vermeer a lot every time we're on the podcast, but talking about FC Cincinnati, but I just he always looks so uncomfortable. It, the second chance balls are just unreal, especially from a veteran like him. And when you already have a defense that can can't learn to you know keep their formation and everything back there especially in a rivalry game when you get at the end of that game and let in the first goal off of the rebound and then start that implosion that fc cincinnati goes through in those situations you have got to have a stronger veteran presence that's what's frustrating is you go out and get this veteran goalkeeper and he just has seemed so uncomfortable from the minute he got here yeah. and hasn't seemed to be the veteran help that you wanted him to be. Yeah, and you you look at him, his his lines have been weird. He's not been able yeah. to smother the ball very well. But the other thing that I think is you almost kind of think of a goalkeeper, I mean, maybe not as important, but as a quarterback. And yeah, you look exactly. at their back line as kind of their offensive line. And I think, you know, there are they had trouble scoring and they had trouble defending and they've kind of gone this back and forth where they've had trouble at one place or had trouble at another place. But I think this FC Cincinnati team gives up too many goals. I mean, Hagland had a huge mistake that if, um, you know, if Luis Diaz doesn't just completely fluff his shot and hit the, hit the post and then Zeller Ryan hit the post again, oh, yeah. a shot that, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, very Vermeer, four to one. Vermeer didn't, even look at you know that was a lot closer than what he th than what it should have been i feel like the defense i think jeff cameron is a great part in the middle um but i still think there's a lot of work to be done on this back line oh, i think yeah. kubo's good you know i think some has been kubo's starting to impress me with what he's done with a his transition to yeah i think acosta's good but i think they have to play you know a little bit more of a of a back three with two wing backs or a back five where they really have to pay attention to defense. And I know it's a slower game and it's not as fun of a game, but you know, you have to stop giving up so many goals. You know, you look at FC Cincinnati over there, what they had a four, nothing tie. They did have a couple of, you know, zero, zero ties, which I think is better, but 
you know, they've lost games five to four, you know, they've given right. up three plus goals a number of times this year. And it's just, there's so much. many, there's so many games this year that if you would have looked past seasons and been like, Oh, FC scored three goals, four goals, five goals. You would have been like, Oh sure. Win. And none of those have been wins this year. It's now there's been what four, a five, five tie, four, yeah. four tie, a four, three loss, you know, five, so, four loss, stuff like I mean, that. Hell, hell is certainly real Greg, but I, we'll see if the crew can't, muster through and advance into the postseason uh and try and defend their title their mls title and we'll see if uh, fc cincinnati can actually hit a hard reset button this offseason so i guess going into the going into the end of this segment gut feel end of the season where do you think the crew and fc cincinnati both both end up uh i think fc cincinnati is gonna get bailed out and not have to get a spoon this year. I think that, uh, I guess, is consolation, I suppose. But I mean, they're, I mean, they're, I didn't think they dropped this low. I think they do have the game against Inter Miami coming up that they can hopefully take care of. Toronto's been, Toronto's been pretty bad. So. Toronto's been, Toronto's given up 10 more goals than FC Cincinnati. Yeah, Toronto's so. pretty bad. So I think they're, Toronto's safely in that bottom spot. So we're no wooden spoon. You'd like to see him be able to move up to 10 past Chicago, but I just don't know right now. I, they've got to find momentum somewhere, and I think it starts this weekend when they host Inter-Miami at home. For the crew, I, I think they've got a great chance to uh, bounce D.C. United, possibly even Montreal. I mean, you got uh, Philadelphia even is hovering towards down down in that bottom spot at five there. So I think there's just less than a dozen matches left in the regular season. I mean, like I said, I respect Coach Porter a lot. I, I think he can manage these guys and get them into the position to do it. They just have to, like you said, they have to play like they should play. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when they get everybody back, I, I see them, you know, right now they're three points off of D.C., Four points off Montreal, five points off Philadelphia. Play Montreal, play DC United. Have a number of games left against Chicago, Inter Miami, and the Red Bulls. Uh, so you know, I see them maybe you know sixth, seventh place. I don't see them doing a whole lot, but at least making the playoffs and you know, hopefully fortifying some of their areas. Maybe you know, maybe in their center back area. Cincinnati, I think, is a better team. You know, I think they're better than the Red Bulls, Inter-Miami, or Chicago. You know, I think they should beat Inter-Miami. You know, I see them as the 10th best team in the East right now, but I, I would expect them to maybe lose a couple games. They shouldn't maybe finish 11th or 12th, but I don't see them as the worst team in the league. They definitely don't have that look. When you when you watch, like, Toronto or FC Cincinnati of the past, and you're like, this isn't an MLS yeah, team. Right. So... Uh, you know, props to them once again, kind of hovering in that area, but I, I see them, they've been playing better month after month and, you know, you hope to see something better. So we'll see at the end of the year, hopefully FCC finishes without a spoon and hopefully Columbus finishes with a playoff spot. Alrighty, as always, thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And Loggerheads Brewing Company in Medina, Ohio. Uh, they're Kiltamall Scottish style ale. Uh, 
Josh, of course, before we get into our cheers, we we always got to cheers our guy, Zach. Uh, right. Not able to make it, uh, you know, being a father first. Hi, which, Zach. Which I guess we can understand. So shout out to Zach, and uh, we hope to see him back next year or next week, so uh, we can give him some shit if his teams don't play well. Uh, Josh, do you have any cheers before we get out of here? Yes, I do, Greg. Yes, I do. I'd like to shout out. Uh, I, I think we all deserve a shout out, and you might be doing this one. The Ohio Little League team for running running her up in uh, the Little League World Series couldn't quite get it done against Michigan, but an awesome run. Uh, my real cheers is to uh, a lesser known baseball team. Uh, they appeared in the World Series uh, less than one year ago, and uh, they have lost one game in extra innings, mind you, to the White Sox, mind you. In their last 12 games, they've won the rest of them. They are damn near the hottest team, dare I say the hottest team, in baseball right now. And once you know that less than 10,000 people watch them every night, I'd like to shout out the Tampa Bay Rays. Since no one in Tampa Bay seems to care about them. Uh, that wasn't have, my first time. I was trying to rack my brain. They I was have like, uh, almost 10 games in the month of August where they have only lost four or five six times they have almost 10 games with less than 10,000 people attending and most of the games that are over that are the away games i just i don't understand i know it's a terrible ballpark the trop and a lot of out-of-towners rooting for a lot other teams. of out-of-towners rooting for other teams but oh my gosh they're they were in the world series last year and the hottest team in baseball like they had yeah, eight thousand people watched them last night. A firm clinch on the on the AL East title over Boston and the Yankees, two two teams with enormous perils comparatively. Friday night against Matt Harvey, seven thousand people, like <laughs> beautiful. One loss in their last twelve games. Beautiful. Shout out Devil Rays. Shout out to the Rays, potentially the Montreal Expos. So <laughs> yep. we'll see. Uh my first shout out. I don't know if I don't know if I've said this enough. But football is back. Football's back. So excited. Uh, love watching Bearcat football. So, so excited for that. Just excited for football in general. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, college football. And then the week after, my Browns are back. Thank goodness. Time for me to get depressed again. Um, <laughs> my other one goes to leading into our second show, which will drop on Friday, talking basketball. We'll be talking a little bit of Cavaliers basketball. Mine goes to the ATL. Whoa. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they had coach Nate McMillan take over for uh, Lloyd Pierce midseason. Nate McMillan, the former coach of the Pacers, took the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. They're getting some star power on their bench next year. Former Lakers point guard, former Barracat. Nick Van Exel. Oh, yeah. Joining the staff. The uh, quickest. Nick the quick. Nick the slick. Nick the trick. Van Exel. So shout out to Nick Van Exel. Um, Ice Coffee's biggest Ice, fan ever. Oh, yeah. Dude, Ice the man loves fan iced ever. coffee. So, he only discovered it about two years ago in a well-documented series of tweets. So the only, the only thing that's a bigger fan, Nick Van Exel of Ice Coffee... Josh, you and I, of the listeners and viewers of 30 Rapids right. Sports. We, we do like the listeners and the viewers, and you know, 
I hope I hope everyone's liking the two for special. I know football is big this week, so we're not going to overdo it. I'm sure you're going to hear plenty of football stuff elsewhere. So we've got big calf stuff to to talk about. Big calf stuff. But so getting spherical on this Friday. Check it out. But be ready because during the week on our Facebook and Twitter, dropping our who you got yep. some big big matchups this week. And potentially, we'll discuss, hopefully next week, a big bet behind our Who You Got. Oh, yeah. Big bets are coming with football season around the way. Uh, we will be gone next week for Labor Day weekend. Hope That's everyone cool. enjoys their Labor Day festivities. Um, but when we come back, man. We'll be football. back two weeks. Week two of college football. Some big games. Week one of the NFL. Lot to get to. So bum, 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 bum. we'll be back in two weeks. Back better than ever maybe so for josh on the ones and twos for zach not here high estate i'm greg thank you so much for listening to 30 rack of sports peace